This is the Final Third Podcast, a soccer podcast that talks about everything that happens outside the 90 minutes, from roster construction and transfers to soccer culture, politics, and business. On today's episode, the January transfer window, who won, who lost, and where it leads the Premier League clubs. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It's Monday, so it means it's a brand new episode where we talk about, you know, soccer, off the pitch, all the crazy things that are happening on it, but what it means more broadly for the wider world of soccer and for those particular teams. Speaking of teams, my name is Adrian Bura, and the teams that I'm a fan of are Minnesota United, the U.S. national teams, which are, you know, both both sides wrapped up their, their uh, international windows the last two weeks, so pretty excited about that. And West Ham United, who got a pretty good away draw to Newcastle, giving them, Jack, their first uh, dropped points at home in 2023 and only their second since September. So pretty happy, pretty happy. Some, some, some good okay. movements uh, going. So I'm, I'm back on the happy West Ham train, at least for uh, you know, Until Declan Rice leaves in the summer, you know. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I was thinking that was going to happen anyway. So, okay. you know, okay. got, at least as long as we stay up, get a bag, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy. But I am joined uh, by a man who was in awe of the results in the Premier League and also in other leagues and is also the biggest Jordan McLaughlin fan. Yeah, <laughs> let's Tim, go. Tim Rolves news for you. Jack, Jack, how are you doing? Uh, doing very well. Uh, you know, like you said, Jordan McLaughlin can pay, play for the Timberwolves, the best player of all time. Yeah. Uh, that's the only basketball jersey I have. But on soccer, I'm a fan of Chelsea, which got a positive result, I would say, relatively uh, a, a draw <laughs> with Fulham with Fulham Fulham uh, at home against, uh, you know, with some new signings showing some promise. I liked it a lot. I'm also a fan sure. of Atalanta. We're not going to talk about Atalanta right now because uh, a little bit of a disappointing result there this weekend. But I'm, uh, you know, I'm a fan of the U.S. men's national team as well and Minnesota United and Minnesota United. The MLS season's coming up soon. So some excitement, maybe as hopefully our best player. Uh, maybe would get to come back to the country. Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, if not, we're doomed. But it's fine. Yeah, I, I'm. I am not exactly excited for the Minnesota United season. I am more broadly excited for the MLS season. There's going to be a lot of really uh, fun storylines. Obviously, the Apple TV deal has kind of put a new lens into how we look at the league and how we're going to evaluate the league coming up. So I'm really excited to see how that goes. Obviously, not excited that Seattle Sounders lost in a pretty big heartbreaker against uh, Al Ali uh, in this last. Uh, hey, hey! But they are the first MLS team to lose in the Club World Cup. That's history, right there. Yeah, record breaking. Right honestly, like yeah. just making history. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, to make it all the way to the 88th minute, and you know, only lose by one to uh, an in-form, in-season. Ali team, that's pretty good. Unfortunately, on the other side, uh, Al Hilal won against uh, Casablanca, who I said was going to get third place. So I got one prediction right, the other one not so much in the Club World Cup. But yeah, we'll keep watching. Hopefully, uh, ho hopefully our predictions are right for the the semifinals. I'd be very surprised if uh, <laughs> if you know 
the the CONMEBOL and UEFA representatives don't make it to another final, I'll be honest. So Yeah, they always seem to make it there. Yeah. yeah. But we're not talking about that today. We're talking about the transfer window, talking about some of the winners, losers, some of the transfer deadline day news, as well as some of the crazy weekend results in the Premier League and kind of what that tells us about each of the teams coming out of that January transfer window. As always, Twitter, at Final Third Show, we tweet uh, news about, you know, what we see in the soccer world, as well as the new episodes that come out. And also follow us on our website, finalthirdshow.com, for all the listening platforms that you might need, as well as to leave a review on uh, you know, Apple or Spotify. Those links will be on that website as well. All right, Jack, let's talk about some of the Premier League results, uh, as well maybe, as maybe some other results that we see uh, fit to talk about. Uh, but let's start off with maybe the biggest upset of the the weekend across all the leagues because i'm talking about everton you know beating arsenal everton who were joint last and arsenal who were uh quite a ways ahead in the the title race in the premier league everton beating them one to zero jack thanks to a tarkowski goal which is not exactly well first of all the sean dyche uh link up right there yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was going to say like that, that those are, I think, uh, two former Burnley players on this Everton team uh, taking down Arsenal. So pretty, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Uh, pretty exciting if you like drama as well. Uh, but obviously not exciting for Arsenal fans who need all the points they get to you know establish a distance between them and second place Manchester City. Uh, we'll talk about another result. Uh, regarding uh, that movement there but jack give me your thoughts about about everton are, are are they are they back can they like secure safety now now that they have like this result is like does this result tell us something or is this just like a one-off and they're likely to still be in the the thick of things near the bottom of the table i mean you know what i i've you've got to give them credit for it because arsenal sure didn't hold back this is a pretty close to their best possible 11 i i'd say like the only thing you that's really different is you know uh gabriel jesus over in kedia but overall like this is a this is their best possible 11 and everton who have been so out of form came in and beat them uh you know i i think that the their midfield was strong the 451 formation worked really well and you know maybe maybe the solution all along was just Everton's midfield they needed to win the midfield battle mm-hmm. uh, but, onana was amazing in this game yeah and there's a clip of Sean Dyche talking about the strategy that he likes to employ in, in his team talking uh, that I saw circulating on Twitter this idea of creating like a V throughout the field mm-hmm. and we saw that in full effect in the Arsenal game. I, I watched clips of it later I, in, in full transparency. I did not, in fact, w- uh, wake up at 6 a.m. to watch the yeah. game. To be fair, uh, in I fact, also didn't. <laughs> in fact, I know a lot of, of some Arsenal fans that I were t- was talking to on Friday literally said, yeah, I don't think I need to wake up early to see this. Arsenal nice. are going to beat Everton. There's no chance Arsenal are going to lose to Everton. And then 
they they lost. Uh, so, you know, you've got to give credit to Everton. Maybe there's already some chemistry built in there with uh, Dyche knowing the former players. It was a Dwight McNeil assist, I believe, on mm-hmm. a Tarkowski header. And hey, I mean, Burnley balls back, I guess. Exactly. Everton are the new Burnley, question mark? Uh, it's better than not. what they were before. I mean, so. yes, it's better than being Everton, yeah. <laughs> it seems like uh, that. But it, it's astounding to see, like, it, it, obviously, like, one data point in anything isn't enough to show us a trend. Uh, you know, you need three, five games to show any sort of trend. But it's a promising point uh, in Everton season to yeah. show uh, to show this. And I think if that kind of thing continues, you know, getting good results like this, beating teams that are, you know, in the bottom half of the table, I think that they can make it uh, make it to safety. You know, I uh, I think we both agreed on with Sean uh, talking about Burnley last season that Sean Dyche would have kept them up if he had Mm -hmm. if he had been kept as manager. I think, you know, he has the potential to keep Everton up because yeah. Everton, like, to be honest, has better personnel than Burnley did. Right. I don't think that's there's too much of an argument there yeah. uh, to be made. Like uh, they, they were they were fielding Jack Cork in midfield uh, last <laughs> season. Uh, so I, I think I think that this is promising and I think it does. It, it it's not enough to show us that Everton will stay up. But if if this is indicative of future patterns, then that's great. Yeah. Uh, my main takeaway is that Frank Lampard should not be coaching a Premier League team as his next uh, next stage. In fact, no. he should he just like be banned. Like like every Premier League team. Nah, if, not not banned from it. No, I well, obviously not banned, but like <laughs> if, like I, I'm saying like if you're a Premier League team, if you're a fan of a Premier League team and you and you're you're your management is looking to hire Frank Lampard. That's an unserious team because I'm serious. Like, like this is a team that is the same team that Frank Lampard had to adjust and play with. And they look night and day compared to where they were literally two weeks ago. And I, I, I think there's something to say about just not necessarily like that. Sean Dyche came in and he like, instill this new tactics he's like drilled it into their heads there might be a little bit of that about that but i just think frank lampart was so out of his depth and that there were so many issues that he was not addressing there are so many things that he wasn't doing that the second that they had a legitimately like elite manager in it just raised it from like low standards to just like even regular standards because this is only like a couple days after he got hired like what what i think about this everton team is obviously they, they look so much better defensively like the pressure that they're putting on arsenal they only had like what 30 percent of the possession but they were able to just snuff out arsenal to the point where they didn't have any like big chances they didn't have any uh one-on-ones where it seemed like all right this is a breakaway this is going to be an arsenal goal And that is more on the manager and like the culture that they instill and the defensive mentality that they instill rather than just pure tactics. Here's what we do. So if we're going to talk about them surviving, 
I think it's less like Sean Dodge is a very good manager, but I think it's a lot more on the fact that Frank Lampard is finally gone and they have a real head coach manager that knows what he's doing rather than whatever the heck was going on in the last year or so. I, I think, no, yeah, that I might think be a hot fair. take. I don't know. No, I think, I think it's fair. Um, I think, I think Lampard should take a job coaching in the championship uh, and then, you know, work his way back up to, to that kind of level. I think we've seen it with a bunch of other, you know, former players without much top, top level managerial experience coming yeah. to this level. Like Mikel Arteta worked under Guardiola for three or four years before, uh, you know, he, he started coaching for Arsenal and look what good that did for him. Right. Frank Lampard spent one year coaching Derby County and was like, yeah, no, I'm good for Premier League. Yeah. Like that, that, that's, that's legitimately what happened. Uh, so I think, I think, you know, we could, we, he should, he needs to be patient. That's mm-hmm. the, that's something that, because I, I like him as a player. I'm, I'm never going to, I'm never going to count him out for anything because I appreciate what he did as a player. But I will also admit that he is not Premier League manager quality. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. All right. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, Arsenal's rivals, both in ge- geography as well as the standings, because Tottenham Hotspur uh, just today actually beat Manchester City. And this is, this is a, a huge result, not only because, you know, this is like two top six clubs going at it but it allows the gap between arsenal and manchester city to still be i believe five points with arsenal having a game in hand so that could be a potential eight like this is a a result that really could have changed the landscape of how we look at the premier league standings because of arsenal dropping points to uh, a resurgent everton team and I don't know, like like Kane. Well, first of all, Harry Kane uh, was the the lone goal, goal scorer in this one zero win. He becomes uh, Tottenham's top ever goal scorer. So you know what, two hundredth goal, I believe, in the Premier League. Too. Yeah, like like he is a he's a good player, I suppose. I mean, you can't really argue that he's not. Um, I can but, argue that I don't like him, which is true. But yeah, yeah, uh, I think it's really funny though because it's just. It's just not a stadium that Manchester City can succeed in because uh, a stat came out today saying that Manchester City has lost all five of their matches against Spurs at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, failing to score a single goal despite having 84 shot attempts. So maybe they're just cursed uh, at their new stadium. Uh, but regardless, if I'm really looking at this, I'm like, I'm like kind of worried for for Manchester City and where they are. They lost Cancelo. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, he is now on loan to Bayern, and I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Obviously, like th- they're still good. They had a ton of success, especially early on in the season. Erling Holland is for sure going to be the Golden Boot winner, but I just I don't know. I I just don't understand how uh, you can maybe mismanage Cancelo as much. Why you have uh, Diaz and Laporte on the bench where uh where the heck phil foden is at all times throughout the season like why do you have kevin de bruyne on the bench as well i don't know and you have gundawan <laughs> too and like yeah i guess like silva rodri Mares, alvarez they're all good players but 
you know, you're going against Tottenham. It's not like they're it's not like they're a bad team. It's not like you can like afford to continuously rest like your best players. To me, like, and I've seen some people say this. Is there something going on behind the scenes? Because that's what was reported with Joao Cancelo leaving. I don't know. I don't know. Jack, do you have any thoughts on either Manchester City or Tottenham getting this really important win? Uh, you know, I, I think that it's probably pretty likely that there that there's something going on behind the scenes. I think Guardiola's I, I think he, he's doing what he usually just does in the Champions League, which is overthink so hard about everything. Uh and you know, this is this is without a doubt Erling Holland's worst performance, I think. It, yeah. it, in a Manchester City shirt. 27 touches. 0.00 XG. Not a single shot on target for the first time since coming to the league. That's crazy. Like Tottenham, the defense consisting of Ben Davies, Eric Dyer, and Christian Romero neutralized Erling Holland and Hugo Lloris. Like, how? Like, how, how is that defense doing, doing it? Yeah. I don't I don't understand how, how that defense did it in particular. But yeah, I mean, like they just didn't look on it. I it looked like Pep like completely overthought this. But. I'm so I, I mean, the the back line just suffers so much without Joao Cancelo. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about that later. I, I'm i uh, a little bit of a spoiler for that. I'm OK with that transfer and I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk about why. But, you know, full credit to Tottenham. They, they, did, they did well. I hate to say that, but they did well. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that City are kind of in a little bit of a mess right now. They're, for the first time, they're actually, like, really, really struggling. I mean, yes, they were struggling in 2019-20 that season. But... I mean, the chan- the the fact that they're being challenged again for the title, like that usually ha- that that's not as big of an occurrence. Yeah. So I think their Pep might be freaking out a little bit about that. Yeah. When you look at this lineup and, you know, the, the, the old adage was that Pep Guardiola overthinks Champions Leagues. But this is this is not at all the lineup that I think you ask 99 percent of other managers. This is what they would come up with. I I think. Especially when, especially when you have, you're right on the heels of it, this Arsenal team to continuously rotate. When you have players that, you know, sure, they have like miles on them, but, you know, they're still, they still have the ability to play these really important matches. Like, you don't want to be dropping points to Tottenham because you're going to get wins against these other, you know, smaller teams. But Tottenham, like, that is, that is a, that is a team that, not even just for the points, but for the pride you should be going at. And to speak on Spurs, there are some really good performances here. Uh, a lot of people are commenting on Emerson Royale's performance. Probably the best I've seen him play. I'm still really concerned about how Antonio, uh, not Antonio Conte, I guess not in, in this, uh, this time around, but uh, Youngman's son is just not, still not really playing at his level. So it's not like it's all roses over at a, you know, Spurs. But there is something to say that, you know, Harry Kane is on form. They have 
maybe a little bit more uh, of an identity going forward, and this could be uh, the start of something, something good for them. But yeah, now that you have an eight, a potential eight-point gap between City and Arsenal, those Arsenal and City games become even more important. And I mean, it, un, un, unless they can do the double against Arsenal coming up here, I I find it really hard to believe that Arsenal is going to drop this title. Unless they, un, unless Arsenal is like I don't know, keep on losing to the likes of Everton, like. It could happen. I, it, it could it's happen. It's unlikely, probably, but yeah. it could happen. Yeah. I mean, we've seen weird stuff, such as Wolves beating Liverpool, which is, according to 538, uh, I think, statistically, uh, the, the biggest upset. I think they had, like, I think either Everton or Wolves only had, like, a 13% chance of winning. Like, like in the, in the right. teen percents, yeah. This one might be even crazier because it wasn't just like a, a choppy two to one win. It was a three to zero. And one of the goal scorers, I should say, was Craig Dawson. You know, even when he's not in West Ham, he's still finding ways to to really make make his own. So, hey, uh -huh. Van Dyke was out. So Virgil Van Dawson was in. Exactly. Exactly. But this was just uh, just not a great game. And. If I had to take something away from it, other than Wolves, like, you know, playing really well, Acuna, uh, who they just signed permanently, uh, good addition, I think. Other than Craig Doss, I think the other goals were um, a Matip own goal and uh, Ruben Neves, yep. their captain, goal uh, towards the second half. But I, I, I look at this Liverpool midfield, and I'm still questioning why they didn't sign a midfielder. You know, It's so bad. <laughs> maybe maybe they're just you know just writing this season off and be like all right well we couldn't get bellingham in january maybe we just wait till uh the the summer transfer window but when you're a, a team like liverpool you have to be getting europa league spots you have to be getting champions league spots especially and now they're what mid midfield in the table 10th place like Nabi Keita, bad game. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Uh, Badge Stitch. Badge Stitch. Yeah. Badge Stitch. Yeah. It's great when you play youth players. I understand that. He's only 18. That's a lot of pressure to put on him. And you're like, all right, well, who's going to come on for him? Uh, who's going to like really write the ship? You have old man Jordan Henderson and James Milner on the bench. Like, that's not good enough. Like, we're going to talk about the winners and losers of the transfer window. Gakpo, I still think, is a great signing. He had a pretty good game, all things considered here. One of Liverpool's bright bright spots in a yeah. game that had very few. Yeah. But to, for him to be the only Liverpool signing of note, when you have the biggest need being in a midfield, when you're playing super young players or players that are well past their prime, like something has to change here, and I don't know if this is ownership problem. I don't know if I highly doubt it's Klopp's problem because I'm pretty sure he's. There's no way he doesn't see this is a problem, right? Like, what do you think about this game and where Liverpool are going right now? I'm sure you 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 love the fact that they're that they keep on falling because oh, you know, of course, you know, you know, they're accompanying Chelsea down there. How about that? 
Hey, Chelsea are above them. So you know what? Do, yeah, I guess uh, technically. No, 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 like by a full point. Yeah, full hey, point. A full, a full point. point. Not even despite, goal differential. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the games played. It's not like Liverpool has a game in hand. Don't worry They'll about lose that, that don't one too. Don't worry. No, right. Yeah. I mean, actually, actually true. Actually possible. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I think Liverpool's offense has not looked good recently. Mm-hmm. I still, I know you're still a defender. I don't think Nunez is good. I it, don't it, think it's worse good. and worse every day. Like he, he had how, how many touches? He had 30 touches. I mean, it's, it's not as bad as Lukaku's eight against Crystal Palace last season. I'll admit that, but it's still pretty bad. And the, the misses that he has in every game, like he, he, he had a few, he had, he had a shot that, w- that had a 0.5 XG attached to it, 0.5, and didn't score. Total expected goals of 0.65, still hasn't scored yet. I mean, at some point, you've just got to say, maybe he's not that efficient with his shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is underperforming his XG by three goals at this point in time. Salah also has not been playing fantastic. Uh, you know, I mean, he scored in the FA Cup against Wolves, but he hasn't scored since the uh, in the new year of the Premier League mm-hmm. in one, two, three, four matches. That's like unheard for for Salah, like thinking about him last season. That's insane. Day. Trent as well. I I mean, still not looking great. Still okay. not looking great. Yeah, I just I I feel like Liverpool they need to fix something. Their offense isn't doing good. I'll mm-hmm. say their defense is not necessarily the biggest problem. Oh, uh, I, absolutely not. I, I I'm willing think. to give them the the benefit yeah. with injuries there. Uh, and even on the offense, sure. But midfield, they just needed to do something. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They, yeah, they need to do something. And they did nothing. You know, right. it's binary. It is binary. Well, I guess you know, there are a lot of things that they could have done terribly with the midfield selling players, what, whatnot. Could you imagine if they sold the midfielder uh, instead? I, I think I think Anfield would have been burned to the ground if, if that was if that happened. Like, there's no way that no they way. would have been yeah. OK with that. Uh, but what, what, the more I think about it, the more I realize that this Trent Alexander problem, this maybe Van Dyke problem that they're having in the defense, it's just as much, even if not more, an issue with the midfield than it is those individual players. I think if Alexander Arnold has the capabilities to move forward because he knows that the midfield is going to be able to cover for him, is going to be able to drop back and still protect the goal then his output and his defensive capabilities well his output you know remains high because he's able to move forward but also his defensive capabilities and his well maybe lack of aren't as exposed as much and so that defensive issue doesn't become as much of a defensive issue but uh one one of the the kind of funny stats here is uh Jack, can you guess who Liverpool's top goal scorer was since the World Cup? Tiago? Tiago? Tiago has not scored any oh. goals as far as I'm concerned. Henderson? I'm going to go with Henderson. Henderson, I also don't think, has scored Ugh. any goals. Who uh, has me... scored goals? Are you talking all competitions or just Premier League? Uh, In Premier League. In just the Premier League? Yes. 
Do you want a Ooh, hint? I, yes, I do need a hint. <laughs> it is not a Liverpool player. Is it own goal? It, 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 it is specifically Vout phase of Leicester City. Oh my god, that's right. Yeah, he scored like three own goals or something. He's, he's, or two he own scored goals. two own goals, yes, which is more nice. than, than Virgil van Dijk, Mo Salah's, uh, Stefan Bocchtik's, and Oxley chamberlains one goal each. So, not, not great at all. Not great at all. And it kind of goes to show like how much in disarray this Liverpool team is in. Speaking of, I wouldn't say it disarray because there's a lot of context here but chelsea uh drawing 0-0 to fulham which is i believe the the second uh scoreless draw that they have experienced um there's a lot of memes going around like you know chelsea has spent 600 million euros in the last uh, two transfer windows just to draw against fulham 0-0 at home i guess the context here is like obviously a lot of these players are still getting used to the club some of them you know haven't really played uh, i think mudrick is the the only like new signing to start in this game unless i'm forgetting. uh no no you you're um you've you've missed one uh, as well uh enzo fernandez started this oh, game enzo fernandez but did also start, so. uh noni uh madueke also debut two yeah. debuts in this game yeah and david datro fofano played uh you know like you said mudrick played batty ashiel played it, it was a lot of new pl- signings playing. Mm-hmm. And, and Jack, I, I, I'll let you talk about this for a little bit. How, how did they look? Does this spell spell good good futures for uh, uh, Chelsea? Or is this going to be, do you think it's going to be a little bit more of a learning curve, at least for this season? You know, I, I, I think it looks good. Enzo Fernandez looked very sharp. I was very, very excited to see him. He had five tackles in this match. Seriously, just looked incredible in the midfield. Uh, had had a wild shot on target that I was like, I if it had gone in, I I would have erupted on the Zoom meeting I was on while I was watching this game. Uh, but you know, I I feel like it, there's a lot of positive things from this game. You know, Ben Chilwell and Reese James came back in and played for the first time in a few months. Mm-hmm. That was really nice to see. Uh, you know, we we saw Mudrik got taken off at halftime, but I didn't think he looked that bad. I think he looked promising. Madueke looked amazing, uh, created a few chances and just some great dribbling all around. Uh, David Datro Fofana looked really good as well. I'm, I was I was quite impressed with him. And it, and it was a goal line clearance that denied him by Tim Ream, by the way, uh, yeah. in, in order for it to, to stop him from scoring. So I I think it looks promising. It's going to be a learning curve a little bit, yes, to to make sure, you know, this all works out. But the defense looks strong against uh, an offense who has looked very, very good this season. Mm-hmm. And given the result that we had against Fulham earlier this season, I, I'm I, I it shows a little bit of improvement. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're moving in a good direction. I'm yeah. I'm going to stay calm. I feel like, you know, I'm still thinking uh, somewhere in the range of like fifth to seventh as a finish for Chelsea. Okay. And I, honestly, you know, after this season, a learning season, you know, bunch of bunch of turnover, uh, manager ownership, a lot of player turnover. I I'm fine with some of that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to happen. It takes a while for things to gel. I'm willing to accept that. The thing, the thing that I hope is that the club's also thinking like that. Yeah. And there, I, I've talked about this several times, you know, I don't, I don't want us to, 
just ditch Potter in the middle of all of this and assume like, oh, he's the problem. Maybe, maybe he is. Maybe, but give him some time. Like he had, he's had one transfer window so far. Uh, and yes, we pl- we paid a lot during it, but now give him time uh, at to a- as they say, let him cook, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> had to had to connect with the younger audience out there, yeah, right? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Boost the boost the listening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let, let him cook. Let him cook. I, I agree. And I was actually going to ask you, like, where do you think Chelsea land from here on out after the January transfer window and? Fifth to seventh, I think, is very realistic, especially when you see like the top four and how kind of far ahead they are, how more advanced they are with their team building uh, and not advances in like, you know, Chelsea spent 600 million. So it's not like they're they're behind that metric, but more so in like the chemistry, the, the, the building of the team, like Newcastle, United City, they're they're a little bit more f- further ahead uh, than Chelsea, obviously. Uh, so fifth through seventh is definitely definitely attainable uh and yeah i I agree i think fans even as well need to understand and have patience for this team because if this is what we expect the chelsea team to be there are a lot of young players on this team there are Mm -hmm. a lot of players that are maybe even just entering their prime and there's a lot of players that are going to be sold off and you know this chelsea team reworked and so you really can't look at this season. And I know there's going to be a lot of memes uh, from either way, whether or not Chelsea succeed or they don't succeed. But I don't see how any of the results from this season really manifest itself into the long-term success of Chelsea. There's so much going on financially that will affect Chelsea's uh, future. There's so much in terms of player development, not even in this season, but in the offseason, I think this is going to be a really important offseason for Chelsea, not necessarily for player acquisitions, but for the preseason. Uh, this is, you know, going to be a longer preseason. There's no Euros. There's no Copa America. So this is a time for all of the Chelsea signings to finally like gel in together, but also for all of you know, Chelsea's like dead weight, quote unquote, to leave the club. So. Chelsea, as far as I'm concerned, is still in that in rebuilding. It's like what we think of as Chelsea is not solidified until the start of next season. Hopefully, for Chelsea's sake, Graham Potter's still there because, you know, I'm sure he had a, a large hand in deciding the having the final say on some of these players. So I don't know. Uh, but but for to put, you know, some praise onto Fulham, Tim Ream, Antti Robinson, Good Both times. Good, good yeah. times. I hey, you know what? The the I was I sad when David Detro Fofano was denied? Yes. Until I saw it was Tim Ream, and then I was like, all right, you know, there there's there's a there's a, a silver lining here at yeah. least. You, you can't tell me that Tim Ream is not like a top five center back in the league right now. Top 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 eight sure, top ten for sure. There's th- I'll give you I'll give Name you maybe off. top 10. I'll give no, you maybe, maybe I don't think top sure 5. Top I don't think top 5 though. Who else? Who else? All right. Who else? Saliva, Gabriel, uh I'd say I'd say Martinez is probably above him. Uh I I'd probably say Akanji is has been like really solid this season above him as well. No, Tim Tim Ream in, in terms of importance for his team okay, it, and like added points, added wins. Okay. Okay. I'll, 
I'll give you that. I'll give you that. In terms of overall skill and uh, and like ability, I don't think he's top five. But in terms of what he like, where Fulham is with him yeah, sure. versus where Fulham is without him, he's an important part well, yeah, of that. Of puzzle. course, sure. if we were to rate players just on like overall skill, then Messi is just going to be like number one. Like, like you know, we we got to talk about form here, and I think I think Tim Ream, if we're going to if he's going to continue to like raise at this level and Fulham are going to be pushing European spots by the end of the season, I think yeah, Tim Ream I'll, has a spot at, at Premier League best 11. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's okay. All I'll, I'll, saying. I'll give you that in terms of his importance to the team, he is definitely one of the best. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll all right. give you that. Uh, around the world, we have uh, Mallorca beating Real Madrid. Thanks to an own Crazy. goal there. Yeah. Barcelona now has an, eight point lead in la liga that's probably done for <laughs> i i also think that's pretty pretty done for unless the last el Clasico has some crazy uh crazy result that sends real madrid into good momentum uh we have napoli uh, kind of cementing th- their place ahead of uh everyone else in syria um inter milan did get a, a pretty good win against uh rivals uh ac milan but i still think like La Liga and Serie A might as well be wrapped up at this point, especially when, you know, it, it would have helped it if Inter lost, but still to have a 13-point lead, like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. The most competitive league, though, the Bundesliga. Technically true, technically true. I, I, <laughs> That's the weirdest <laughs> sentence, I think, uh, that, that, that we could have been saying about the leagues, but, you know, yeah, it's true. It's a- I I I'd, I'd still be really surprised if uh, Union Berlin or I, I guess even Dortmund, since they're technically still there and doing good, especially with the introduction of Sebastian Allaire and Gio Reyna as a super sub. But Berhalter was on to something there. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I saw you tweet that. It was really, really funny. <laughs> but yeah, like Union Berlin, they got the two to one win uh, thanks to PFOC. Uh and Coming off the Ber- bench, for yeah. he need, he needed that. He hadn't scored in a while, so. yeah, for sure. And Union, Ber- Union Berlin needed that because uh, Bayern have been dropping a lot of points, uh, drawing a lot of games. So to continuously get wins still keeps them in that conversation. If not for the Bundesliga titles, then definitely for Champions League. So very good for them. And then Dortmund, they're Dortmund. They're still probably going to be good, uh, but I don't know. I'm I'm really excited to see how that league ends, even though. I'm guessing most people will still think that Bayern are going to win it all still. Yeah, I mean, uh, just looking at it, though, sixth through first are separated by six points. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That is not an insurmountable gap uh, for for I mean. I mean, just looking at Bayern's form recently, yes, they've picked up wins against Wolfsburg and Mainz, but a couple of draws in, in between uh, before that. So I don't know, maybe. 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 All right, Jack. That that is it for some of the games and some of the long term views post uh the January transfer window. Let's take a short break and do some stat padding. Oh, a little bit of a twist here. Why don't you explain what stat padding is and oh wait, you can't explain uh, what the man. theme is, but do explain what stat padding is for a Stat listeners. padding is trivia about statistics. And for the second week in the row, I think we're taking the statistics portion of that pretty lightly. Yes. Uh, and you know, oh no, I just saw it. Uh I la- last week actually I'll let you explain. You can Yes. Yeah, so, you can. so last week, uh 
Jack strung this on me. It's called grid trivia. You might have seen it on TikTok. Basically, there are three teams on the left side of like this tic-tac-toe board and three teams on uh, the top. So three three rows, three columns. And the the objective of the game is to, where each of those teams intersect, name the player that played for both of those teams. So last uh, week, it was, I think, uh, all the the last six Champions League. Winners uh, and runners-up. Winners the last, and, yeah. and runners-up. And so I had to, you know, for, for, let's say, Bayern and City, I could have said Joao Cancelo if it was a week later. But, you know, uh, I had to say... Uh, Leroy Sané. Yeah. yeah. I haven't uh, opened it yet. I'm waiting until... Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I was pretty peeved that, that I didn't do as well as I wanted to. So I, I needed to show Jack that, you know, uh, no. it, it might be a little bit harder. I, I'm, I'm realizing now that this, this, this one... Might have been a little bit easier. Okay. So, so let's just say that the, the, the bar for you, Jack, might be a bit higher than me. Especially because oh, okay. even without researching, I think I was able to get eight out of nine without eight really nine. breaking sweat. So you can open it now. Okay. Uh, this is FA Cup winners, the last FA Cup winners and the last Premier League winners. So it's all, okay. all, all Premier League teams. Uh, so on the left side, Top row to bottom, we have the last FA Cup winners. Notice how Chelsea's not there for okay, some reason. Okay. And I, I, to be, I, <laughs> okay. I, I couldn't do FA Cup winners and runners up because for, for some reason the same team kept on popping up for the runners up. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> so we have Liverpool, Leicester City, and Arsenal on the left side. And the last three winners of the Premier League that aren't one of those other three teams. So no Liverpool, no Leicester City. So the top row is manchester city chelsea and manchester united and okay. so jack is going to try to you know name one player and and i'll limit you to the premier league era i mean i'm sure you could name okay limit to premier that's fair yeah. no, no no i i don't think i i'd get players outside the premier league era sure. so sure yeah and bonus points bonus points if you could name multiple there are some where i had three to four really okay, easily okay. and i'm sure you can also guess that so uh again Manchester i'm guessing no repeats right no repeats no repeats okay we know which player you literally popped up every single time like yeah, six yep. of these squares could be this particular player but to recap Manchester city chelsea united on top liverpool lesser city arsenal on the left jack has to find the intersections and the players that play for each so jack Go ahead. I, I have my list here. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to start with Liver Liverpool City, and we're uh -huh. going to go with Raheem Sterling. Sure. Uh, also, James Milner would work there, I believe. That's another one. Uh, and then Liverpool Chelsea, Fernando Torres. Yep. Significantly better at one of those than the other, but yeah. <laughs> he did play for both of them, technically. Uh, and also Mo Salah would work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, United Liverpool. Oh, this I'm one's sure. Th this I'm one's sure the there's like one. an obvious one that I'm just missing. I'm gonna a little, skip. A little bit. Yeah. I'm gonna skip that one for now. Uh, oh my God. Uh, Leicester, Chelsea, and Golo Conte and Danny Drinkwater. Yeah, it, it feels like a sin to mention them in the same sentence, honestly. Yeah. But uh, there's some there's some multiple ones there if you want to try to go for that one as there's well. There's more multiples in there. Yeah. There's there's two more that I feel like you should get. Two more from Leicester, Chelsea. 
Yes. Oh, man. Uh, You're going to really kick yourself if you uh, don't get this. Oh, Chillwell. Duh. That's one of them. Yep. Um, oh, and Fofana. Yep. Duh. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea Arsenal. Jorginho is an easy one because he just transferred. Yep. yep. Um, There's a million here you can get. Oh, yeah. Uh, Petr Cech, you know, yep. David Luiz, Willian. Yep. Yep. Just the list can go on and on there. Uh, but okay you're, you're missing one there that i feel like you should also mention arsenal and chelsea arsenal and chelsea i guess two but one you should definitely get oh man there's there's probably a lot that i could that i should get there jack if you don't get this i'll, I'll kill you i swear oh no what am i missing well i'm, I'm trying it so it's a really obvious one yeah, this should actually be like the most obvious one. I I, I was really surprised you didn't go to this square and say this player very first. Come on, Bro, Jack, you I'm got so, it. <laughs> I'm blanking I'm, so hard. I'm not giving you a hand. You can go on. You can come back to it. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Leicester and Manchester United. Harry Maguire. Yep. Okay. Arsenal City. Gabriel Jesus. Yep. I'm gonna go there. Okay. So what do I have left? I've got. Uh, you have Leicester City and Manchester City, Liverpool and Manchester United, and Arsenal and Manchester United. Oh man, Arsenal, Manchester United. Oh, I know. There's, there's like an obvious one. Yeah. Oh, what? Oh, what's his name? Shoot. There's like, there's oh, like I'm five. Oh, I'm thinking of of someone. He he's Dutch. Choking so hard. <laughs> And this is a good exercise to show listeners that it's a lot harder when you're on the spot. Last week, I was choking so hard. Now it's Jack's turn. Oh, oh my God. Leicester City, Mares. Oh my God. Okay, so, so, so that's, that's Leicester City. Leicester, Leicester and Manchester City, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Sorry to interrupt, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, that just came to me. So I've got two and they're United. And United trivia is just like... Bergkamp. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Is Bergkamp United in Arsenal? Oh, I, I did not have that uh, Is he, looked like up, he... and I want to say no. I could look <sighs> it up for you. Uh, Bergkamp is Arsenal and no other English team. Ajax oh, is it Van Persie? Is that... It is Robin Van Persie. That, that's... Okay, he is Dutch, right? Like He is Dutch, yes. I, I didn't manufacture yes. that in my mind. Okay. And then, right. so I've got the obvious one for Chelsea Arsenal and then Liverpool United. Yeah. Yeah. Is Liverpool United the one you couldn't get right away? Is that like... Yeah, well, I eventually got it on my own. I just had to like really think about like... I had to really, really United. think about it. And I'm sure if you're actually British, like it comes to you a lot easier. Or maybe if you're if you're around there at that time, because there's only been two players, actually. Two oh, players God. that ever played for both Liverpool and Manchester United in the Premier League era. Only two. It's, very difficult. It's very difficult. And again, this is senior appearances only. No, no random senior youth teams. Okay. Man. So technically, uh, you have eight out of nine. There's some of like, the easier ones that that we can go back to that, you know, exist. I I, I won't give you his nationality because that's not gonna help. I mean, he's British. That's not gonna help. Okay. I, he's English. Whatever. Okay. Uh, I, I can tell you that he he's more known for his Liverpool stints and that. The two teams between Liverpool, his Liverpool stints, and his Manchester United stints 
were Real Madrid and Newcastle United. So maybe a good player. I mean, obviously, probably a good player. Bro, but. who goes from Real Madrid to Newcastle United? Other hints is a striker. <laughs> oh, you got it. You got it. Do I? Oh, wait. No, there, there's a guy I'm thinking of, but... No, wait. He wasn't British, though. Bro, I... Do I do I have this a strike a British striker? So, I mean, played, specifically English, yeah. In- English striker who played for both of them, known more for his Liverpool career than his United career. Yeah, the the, the other uh, player is Michael Owen. That is correct. Yeah, that oh, is correct. Good yes. job. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Can you guess the other player? The other. Bro, there's no chance. Do you, right. Did you hear how long it took me to get there? <laughs> the, the, the other player is Paul Ince. Those are the only two. Never players. heard of that man. Never heard I, of that man on, in my Paul life. Paul Ince, West Ham United. All right, whatever. Okay, whatever. well there, there you go. That okay. The the obvious one for Chelsea Arsenal. You're actually gonna kick yourself. I probably am. What is it? Is is it a current player on either team? Uh, no. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if you if you said his name. I mean, th- th- there's a, there's a couple that, that you probably also should okay, mention. Okay, wh- what's the what's the obvious one that you think then? Uh, I don't know. I I don't remember if I heard you say Giroud. <sighs> oh, I just <laughs> dropped my phone on the floor with that. Oh my god. Oh, I'm so upset with myself. I'm so upset with myself uh, for that. Uh, oh, that's so funny. That is you're so right. funny. Oh, uh, that makes me really sad that I missed that one. I'm not gonna lie. Does it make sense? That, does it make sense when I said that? No, I, no it, it makes perfect sense. I thought, it makes I thought you were gonna sense. go to that square and say Giroud right away. Uh, Bro, I, ones... I don't think of him as an Arsenal player. I think of, of him course, as a Chelsea course, player through and through. That's that's it. Yeah. Other players for Arsenal, Chelsea. Uh, I mean, if you want to guess, I can just go through some of them. I mean, yeah, go go through the other ones yeah. that you found if you want uh, to. Check Fabregas, Ashley Cole, Anelka, who's gonna show up a lot. Yeah, Arsenal, and Manchester United. Uh, there's Henrik Mkhitaryan, Andy Cole, Danny Welbeck, and Alexis Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez is actually the very first player to come up uh, for me. Uh, Arsenal, Manchester City. Uh, recently, there's Zinchenko. Uh, you mentioned Jesus. You could say Anelka for this one as well. You uh, can but, say Anelka for a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, but uh, David Seaman and Patrick Vieira are also two big ones. Uh, Leicester City, Manchester United. Harry Maguire is definitely the most, uh, the biggest one, especially right now. Uh, other ones include uh, Jesse Lingard and defender Johnny Evans. Leicester City and Chelsea. Uh, you got most of the, the ones. I guess the other ones that I thought of were Robert Huth and technically a, a manager. But Claudio Ranieri, I think uh, I just threw in as, as a bonus if, if you mentioned that. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Leicester City, Manchester City. I think Riyad Mahrez is really the only like well-known one. Uh, technically, Kelechi Ahinacho moved to Leicester City in 2017. Just like despite making like he had like senior appearances for Manchester City. So it's like you usually think oh, it's okay. like Leicester City to Manchester City other way around for Ahinacho. Uh, Liverpool, Manchester United. It's just Owen and Ince. Uh, Liverpool and Chelsea, Anelka again. Yeah, Joe Cole, Raheem Sterling uh, is another one, and Liverpool uh, City. Uh, there's actually a, a good amount here. You mentioned, I think, was Sterling and Milner. Yeah. Uh, but Balotelli, Sturridge, Colatore, uh, David James, uh, Anelka again. <laughs> so, uh, Anelka just keeps players. popping up, man. Yeah. So there you go. You got nine out of nine. Maybe the Giroud one kind of takes the sales that, out a that little feels, bit. That that feels like a loss missing the Giroud <laughs> one. I can't lie. Uh, that's 
we got to take your uh, Giroud fan club card away for that no, one. No, no, no. I, it's it's just because I'm I think of him only as a Chelsea player. That's right. that's it. Right. He's just that close in my mind. I can't can't imagine like how he how he would have been at Arsenal. You know, yeah. I, I I erased that point in in uh, okay. in time from my memory. Okay. That's why. You know that uh, that's why. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, that, that was really funny. You did get nine out of nine though, technically. So I'll take it. Very very good. <laughs> I, it very took good. it took some help on the on the United Liverpool one, but it makes sense that there's so few given how strong the rivalry is between yeah, those two. Yeah, especially especially historically, and the opposite could be said about Chelsea and Arsenal, which is kind of funny. Yeah, uh, it's funny that that one's really yeah. really filled up. But yeah, all right. Well, speaking of. You know some of those transfers, including Cancelo, which we mentioned earlier, and including Jorginho, who you already mentioned. Let's talk about the January transfer window. We've been—I mean, we've been talking about the transfer window and how teams have, you know, gone on since then. But let's talk about the players and more broadly the tra- transfer window as a whole. Uh, starting with some of the the deadline day or near deadline day deals that got done. Uh, and this is going to be another transfer hot or not, Jack. Uh, the way that this works, listeners, is that I will say uh, a transfer that happens, and Jack's going to tell me if it's a hot transfer, if it's a good move for uh, either or all parties, or if it's a not hot transfer for, again, either or all parties. We'll start off with Joao Cancelo moving from Manchester City to Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga, who are first place in the Bundesliga, hang by a thread. Um 28-year-old Portuguese fullback is going to join Bayern on loan with an option to buy after a dip in his playing time for Manchester City and a, a reportedly, allegedly, mini falling out with Pep Guardiola regarding his uh, kind of bench appearances in the last few months. Uh, Bayern were longtime admirers, and so he's going to be moving there for no loan fee. Jack, is Cancelo to Bayern hot or not? You talked about it a little bit earlier, alluding to it. What do you think? Hot transfer. It's okay. Uh, you know, I think it fits with Pep Guardiola's ideology of no one's bigger than the team. And I think that, you know, when you're when you're behind in a title race, you kind of need to have that sort of mentality. You can't have anything going on behind the scenes that that could bust that could throw a wrench into anything you're trying to do to catch up. And, you know, I think we're still seeing some of the effects of that kind of thing. Right. So I think that it's smart. You know, it's a loan, so if, if things repair themselves, it, it's not necessarily permanent. But I think, you know, it sets a good example for, for Pep Guardiola. Right. And I think also it gets Joao Cancelo more playing time because, you know, uh, I and plus for Bayern, just they, they now have two of the best fullbacks in the world right now. They've got mm-hmm. Alfonso Davies and they have Joao Cancelo. Like that, that that's incredible. They're for set. That. Yeah, they they are like that. That's that's incredible business, really. Yeah, I agree, especially with uh, Masarawi's uh, injury. I believe taking a, him mm. out for a long, long time. So I, I think that this is good cover, especially when I think Bayern are, are pretty sizable contenders for the Champions League, and they need, like you said, help w- with the Bundesliga race. I think this is a great, great signing. In the long term, I don't think this is going to mess up City a lot, but I do have to say, in terms of like this transfer window now, in terms of the season now, we mentioned already, this is a pretty big hit for a player. He might have been like, you know, dipping in form this season, but it's still Cancelo. He's still, you know, best 11 most seasons, and I would say most seasons moving forward. So I say it's w- warmer, 
warmer on Bayern's side than City's side, but still, you know, good for him. I think I, I, when I, for some reason, when I think of Bayern, Cancelo's kind of like feels like a Bayern player to me. I, I can't really explain it. it he know? does kind of, doesn't he? Like it, yeah. it, it kind of just fits. It's weird. Yeah. Like, like he kind of has like that kind of Bundesliga feel to him, you know, could, could get forward, has like that, that assisting capabilities, but is very like still like defensively sound. He's, you don't throw away one or the other with him. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of defender, let's talk about someone that only plays defense because it's a goalkeeper, Kaylor Navas, moving to Nottingham Forest. I guess, you know, we just like goalkeepers firing. score goals yeah. every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Very fun when it happens. I, oh, yeah. I, I doubt someone as old as Kaylor Navas <laughs> could, could be as acrobatic as Allison, you but, imagine. you know, Kaylor Navas is moving to Nottingham Forest in what might be the most random perhaps transfer of this transfer window he's on loan from psg after wayne hennessy who is nottingham forest's main goalkeeper uh came down injured for six weeks or so i mean he's set their second choice because dean henderson right is oh yeah he... dean dean henderson as well yeah so th- they they needed a goalkeeper cover yes yes dang yeah well in, in that case jack oh, take it away do you think uh this is a, a good move or bad move uh i mean I'm sh- I'm shocked that you didn't want to take it because I know how big of a Kaylor Navas fan you are. Uh yeah. but yeah, this is a good transfer. I mean, you know, you're talking about Henderson being out until potentially early March. Uh so they needed something. They they definitely needed something here. And I think Kaylor Navas fills that perfectly. You know, he wasn't getting playing time with PSG, which I think is Weird because I don't think Donnarumma is all that good. Yes, he had a good Euros. I feel like he get he got way overhyped, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's that's for a different video. Kaylor Navas is a great goalkeeper. He yes, he's thirty six, but I think I think this might be his first time playing in the in the Premier League. Is that is that correct? I think I think this is his first time making it over here. And uh, yeah, looking I mean, at he, yeah, he yeah, played for. Real Madrid for all those years so yeah for five for five years played for Levante for for three years mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. PSG so yeah I I think I think he I think this is a, a great transfer you know alone so it's so it's not it's not like a permanent deal or anything uh you know it works out well for PSG because they can then solidify a goalkeeper spot hey I and he you know he played well against Leeds four yeah, saves clean that, yeah uh which, you know, Nottingham Forest need that kind of thing because they they were looking they were looking all right, but still not completely clear of relegation. Still only six points clear of it, but no doubt uh that this makes things feel a lot more comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh I I think this is a good move, especially for Nottingham Forest. Yes, it's kinda of weird that they're getting him even though Hennessy's only injured for six weeks or so but I mean it's still Wayne Hennessy I'm not gonna lie uh, that's true it, it's a, it is a clear upgrade but also yeah. even even if Hennessy was a good goalkeeper I'm not saying he's terrible or anything but the points that they get in those six weeks could be the difference between them staying up or them going down so I think this is a good stopgap uh they could do a lot worse for a stopgap let me tell you that <laughs> yeah uh and at first, I was thinking like, oh, Kaylor Navas, like he sh- he's 36. He should be playing at a top level club. I'd want him to like, go there permanently. I- I'd want him to, you know, see out his career at top or maybe go back to Costa Rica where he started. Maybe go back to Saprissa or where he started his career. 
But, you know, I've seen some interviews that say that he's, you know, very happy playing football uh, again, which is not the same when you're playing for a sometimes dysfunctional PSG locker room. So I think there's something to say about just, you know, him on a loan, just finding himself again. Maybe he still has two more years at the top. Who knows? So I think it's pretty hot. How about uh, Sabitzer moving to Manchester United from Bayern Munich, joining on loan? Uh, this is the context here is that uh, some of their midfield, including McTominay and Eriksson, are injured. So he could see some extra playing time. Uh, he's a 28-year-old uh, central defensive midfielder who has seen limited minutes, either as a sub or starting for rotationally Bayern Munich uh, after joining them in August 2021. So, Jack, is this transfer hot or not? I mean, it's it's an all right transfer, I'll say. I think it works well as kind of like a stopgap solution. Uh, but at the same time, I've I've never really thought of Sabitzer as, you know, like a defensive midfielder. I've always okay. thought of him like as a central midfielder, attacking midfielder. Uh, but since he went to Bayern, he's kind of moved further back into there. Uh which I mean, I feel like he's a really, a really good attacking player, and a lot of that's been taken away. I think, I think he, I think he'll be an all right stopgap for them. But I feel like it's not like the same position that they really needed to fill. Uh, I mean, yeah, they got Casemiro this past season, but they, they, they could use some more defensive midfielder, like actual defensive midfielder backup. I feel like I. I don't know. It's just weird to me to to think that Sabitzer is going to be playing as a defensive midfielder for Manchester United. It's it, it feels like a really random transfer, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's it's a loan, so if it doesn't work out, not really that much harm done. So I'll say it's a pretty hot transfer. It's it's like warm, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally think this is this is a lot hotter uh, than you give it uh, credit for, at least in the. Like- yeah, that's fine, obviously. Uh, but uh, it's not like he's a terrible defensive midfielder. I, I, I think he he's really good. I think he's he's better than a lot of the alternatives they could have uh, gotten in. Uh, and I I think they did just need like central uh, midfielders. Losing Eriksson, you mentioned Casemiro. Casemiro got a red card for a uh, uh, pretty 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 bad challenge. So Casemiro is gonna be out for, yeah. I believe what three games now. Three games, uh, yeah, around record, there, yeah. So without him, without Erickson, they need some type of midfielder. I, I, think so. I miss that Van de Beek was out for the season as well. Uh, exactly. You know what? I'll, I'll up the, the temperature a couple, like, uh, you know, a, a, a few degrees there okay. for, for that. I didn't realize how how much depth they were lacking in central midfield. I thought it was yeah. just Erickson who was out. No. I did not realize how, how desperate they were. Er- Erickson, Van de Beek... Bakhtamane and now Casemiro. It's it's not looking great. Uh, Arsenal really wanted to get him. I, we talked about their needs in in midfield. Can't uh, you know El Nani is not that guy anymore, or really was never. But you know whatever. No. <laughs> uh, but so I, I think Manchester United did well into getting him. Uh, let's talk about a team that did not get him. Him being Ziyech, Team oh, Ziyech, Chelsea to PSG. Jack, I, I, I'll let you take this. What? What happened, and how bad should we feel for Hakim Ziyech? I'll answer those in reverse order. Very bad for for f- feeling very bad for him. 
Uh, but what happened was uh, Chelsea sent the contracts over to PSG, but sent them wrong several times. And therefore, the documents didn't get signed in time. Uh, so Ziyech did not get his loan to PSG, which I think sucks because he he would have he would have eaten so good in that in that mid in as a winner for them, right? Like his chance creation with uh, with Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar uh, up there to finish, not too bad. I I, I feel like maybe for. PSG, it's a bit of an overload on the creative end of it and not as much on the output, like the actual scoring end of it. But I, I do feel really bad for him. I'm glad he got a start against Fulham. Uh, and, you know, I hope he'll I, I hope he'll be important to Chelsea this season. But man, that just feels like a missed opportunity for him. And mm-hmm. the fact that it's just because the the contracts didn't get signed in, in time. Uh, it's not on here, but the Julian Araujo transfer as well. Uh, the document, the contract was signed 18 seconds after the transfer deadline and FIFA said, no sucks like that. It's ruthless, man. It's ruthless, I guess. Uh, but I, I feel bad for, for Ziyech. Like I, I, I was so excited, uh, you know, hearing that, you know, he was going to get a loan deal. I was happy for him because he's a good player. And then just seeing tweets like saying he's stranded in Paris, basically waiting for yeah. something to happen. <laughs> he was using his own money to get this this done. Like, man, he I, I feel so bad and I feel like everyone should feel bad. So the fact that this didn't get done very, very cold, if it, yeah. if it had gotten done, I'd say I'd say it was pretty it was pretty warm. I, I feel like that raises a little bit because I want Ziyech to do well and play somewhere where he is like truly appreciated by the team but Mm -hmm. i agree wholeheartedly i don't don't know what happened i don't i don't know exactly uh know who to blame maybe we'll we'll learn more in the coming coming months and hopefully hopefully a top team is still interested in him in the summer he's still a very good player so hopefully he gets a move somewhere nice because that uh that chelsea team is looking like quite the logjam right now yeah we we need to we need to clear out some players. Yeah. Like a lot of them. <laughs> well, how do you feel about the clearing out of Jorginho, moving him onto Arsenal, the 31 year old Italian midfielder uh, joins uh, Arsenal. They were looking at uh, Caicedo of Brighton, but that wasn't really moving anywhere. So they go for uh, Jorginho to, you know, really cement the Arsenal to Chelsea, Chelsea to Arsenal pipeline once again for Jack, I believe it was 12 million, 12 million. Yeah. Yeah hot or not uh yeah that's a hot deal right Jorginho I think he's a great player I think he makes any midfield he plays in really tick really well and I think he adds a lot of rhythm to the game which you know Arsenal needed better backups right we we already said El Elneny doesn't really do it uh and so I think that you know, this is a good transfer. I know people are clowning on him immediately for, you know, he got subbed on and within a minute Everton score. Yeah. I don't think that's his fault because <laughs> if you're counting on Jorginho to defend from corners, you got the wrong guy. Yeah. Uh, that That's not him. He's not that kind of guy. Uh, but I think, I think, you know, this is a pretty solid deal. Uh, he only had six months left on his contract and it was looking like he probably wasn't going to extend it. So yeah, I'd I'd say like getting twelve million for it is good. I would have, I would have said it was a lot colder 
if it wasn't for this next transfer that we're going to talk about. But yes, because obviously it's not like Chelsea have a lot of healthy midfielders, <laughs> young midfielders. Yeah. Uh, I, I do agree, though. Arsenal getting him. I, I think that's very hot. I, I think that they already have like a pretty good like midfield core. But, you know, adding depth, especially like very talented, very uh, knowledgeable locker room depth. Very good. But of course, you're referring to Chelsea's repl- replacement uh, for Jorginho, another midfielder. That is Enzo Fernandez, because the midfielder from Argentina, World Cup winner, breaks the British transfer record. Uh, transfer in, I suppose. With I, I don't even know, I, I, in or out, I, I'm guessing. I don't think anyone did. <sighs> yeah, I don't even know. 121 million euros is what I'm trying to say. I can't even get it out of my, my, my mouth because it's so it's crazy. It's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. 121 million euros. Was Lukaku the the current holder, or was no, it no uh, Grealish? Grealish, okay, Grealish was yeah. Well, by I think like three or four million. Chelsea take it back, hundred twenty one million euros. Uh, fun fact: River Plate get twenty five percent, so they just made like so much money, fifty million in the last six months because he just joined uh, Benfica mm-hmm. just this past summer for yep south south of twenty million. So to literally get a, a 500% return on your investment. It's crazy for that team. It's crazy for River Plate in Argentina. Uh, he is on a long-term transfer. He will be 30 when his contract is done for FFP reasons. Enzo Fernandez, the World Cup winner, the midfielder that was chased by multiple clubs, but one more than the other. He's coming to Chelsea, Jack. This is the biggest transfer of this transfer window. Is it hot or not? You know, uh, at first when I was thinking about it, I was like, that's a lot of money for one midfielder. Uh, and then I saw him play uh, for Chelsea. And I was like, well, uh, if, if he continues like this for the rest of the eight and a half years that he's on a contract for, I feel like maybe we'll have gotten the, the money's worth. Yeah. Uh, he he looks very good. You know, he's a World Cup winner. Obviously, that that added a few uh, a few. Uh, Tens, tens of, of million. millions, yeah. yeah, onto the transfer value, but I think I think he looks pretty good. Uh, and you know, we needed a young midfielder. It's clear that Chelsea had their guy that they wanted, and were willing to get him at all costs. And I I hope that that's for a reason and not just to like splash the cash. And mm-hmm. because he won the World Cup, who knows really if 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 that's why. But I you know I'm I'm. I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I I I I think the one downside to it is coming over for that much, you have a lot of expectations on you. Yeah. So that that drops it down a little bit. I'm still going to say it's a it's a decently hot transfer. Okay. Okay. I think I think it's warm and I think okay. the money aspect kind of ties you up to him. Uh that that's totally fair. And and so um, unless you're gonna find a, an, another buyer who wants to pay even more for him, pay like upgrade his salary. If something goes wrong, God forbid he gets injured, like a really bad long term like ACL injury or something, that's gonna be a really tough thing to rebound from. Not just even as a player, but as a team. Uh, but I do think it's hot because I do think he's good. Is he like 121 million euros good? I don't know. <laughs> I probably it, not. It, if I, if, I was a, if I was an independent reviewer, I would say no. But I think it's interesting because this is Chelsea admitting that 
this is Enzo Fernandez's team now. And I, I think it's undeniable that, that the, the timetable for their success is along the same path as the development timeline for Enzo Fernandez. You don't spend $121 million for a, a role player. You spend $121 million <laughs> yeah. on a player you build around. And listen, Mason Mount is good. And I think the last three years, everyone would have said that, they, the, oh, this is going to be like Mason Mount's team. And it, it, I mean, it still could. He could still like find like you know, a, a good role. But when you have another, you know, really good central midfielder, really good attacking midfielder, you, you, you kind of just got to admit that, that he, he's that guy. And everyone else that was from maybe the past era, even though most of them are like in their mid-20s, like Kai Havertz, Hakeem Ziyech, Christian Pulisic even, like those guys are out. And this new wave of players headlined by Enzo Fernandez, by, by Mudrik, by Nkuku that's coming in, this is the, going to be the new look Chelsea. Just how much that new look is going to differ from the old look is yet to be seen. But there's no doubt in my mind that Enzo Fernandez is the new Chelsea guy rather than Mason Mount. I'm an outsider looking at it, but that's just kind of how I see it. I, I, think, I think that's a fair way to, to look at it, you know. Uh, I, I think, like, the... I, I'm 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 excited after this transfer window mostly because it looks like Chelsea yeah, no, is no duh. <laughs> it, it, well, not not because of the money spent, okay, okay, but because of the players that were brought in. These aren't like players that are already bona fide superstars, right? These are players that have a lot of time to develop, a lot of stuff they can, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of potential, mm-hmm. and I like that. I, I like I like seeing that yes. there's there's something nice about about buying like superstars sure but seeing like a, a player who has all of this potential coming in you know we've got Malo Gusto coming in for uh in in the summer after, since we loaned him back to Leon mm-hmm. after getting him you know you've got Mikhailo Mudrik you've got Madueke coming in you've got Fernandez coming in like solid I'm excited I'm excited for the future. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I, there's a lot to be excited about, but you mentioned like there's a lot of room for potential growth. There's also a lot of room for potential degrowth, for, for potential stagnation. It, because they're so young, the, their, their window of possibilities and potential and actual ability is very, very wide. And I, I guess like the reason why you buy them is because they have high ceiling, right? That's not to say that they won't also just hit their floor. So I, it all comes down to like this next few seasons. How do you develop them? How do you juggle all these players who want playing time? Uh, and on the financial side, I think the, the big question for Chelsea is like this, this like amortization, like, like increasing the contract length in order to like stay within FFP. That's all good and all. And th- that helps a lot when you're able to split it over a long time period. One of the admissions of the Chelsea board is that they also have to sell players, and they have mm-hmm. to sell players for a lot. And so that is a question mark going forward. That's not going to affect Enzo Fernandez necessarily because he's, he's just going to play. But it's something to think about when looking at this Chelsea team. Uh, speaking of which, let's talk about, uh, let's wrap things up here by just talking about 
what we've talked about, the winners and losers, if we had to summarize this transfer window, we talked about some of the, 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 the teams that are doing well for themselves, doing not well for themselves after this transfer window. So I'll kick this off and say, I think Chelsea is a winner. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I, think you, I, I don't think you spend that much money. Uh, On the level of players you get too. Yes. And not yes. be a winner of the transfer window. Yeah. yeah. Financially... That, that that's it to be seen we literally can't say like how this is going to affect chelsea until it begins to show signs but for right now on the field uh looking on at paper, this season right yeah in the next few seasons on paper they're winners jack do you want anything add anything else slash uh name a winner slash loser that you think should be mentioned i mean i think another winner that uh, i i'd yeah no i'd say arsenal i'd say arsenal okay. are winners this this window maybe they didn't get all of the targets they wanted but the targets that the the players they did bring in are no doubt solid ones you know mm-hmm. getting Jorginho on deadline day uh getting getting trossard in for like 25 million yeah that's insane like that that's insane levels right there that that's some real like they didn't do a ton but they addressed the needs that they uh they addressed the needs that they set mm-hmm. out to address and they did that well and pretty frugally i think yeah uh another winner winner. another winner going off that was brighton who yes they sold trossard to arsenal uh but trossard wanted out and they still were able to get i think it was actually 27 million for him so it's not like they lost him for nothing they got to keep caicedo who is pivotal for their team and uh trossard's uh kind of spiritual replacement matoma is doing very very well just scored this past weekend so uh, I'd say Brighton are very much uh, winners in this sense. Uh, I, I can say a loser is um, Manchester City. Yes, you know, Cancelo in the grand scheme of things isn't going to make or break their future. But for a team that is very dependent on a solid defense, because, uh, you know, they are shipping in goals and Erling Holland can't score all the, I mean, he could score all the time, but, you know, it's not going to save you if you have, like, a bad defense. So I think Manchester City are uh, losers in this sense. What do you think, Jack? Anything else? I think think that's fair. Um, In terms of other losers, I'm trying to think of if there's anyone else that, like, comes to the front of my mind in that. Well, we we, we mentioned uh, Liverpool, if you'd consider them losers in this this transfer window. I'd more consider them non-players. Uh, okay. Like they, yes, they got Gakpo, but also like from then on out, like in January, like the January part of dra- the January transfer window, uh, pretty close to silent. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't say that's like, uh, you know, losing. I'd say that's more refusing to play <laughs> yeah. more than anything. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of any like. M- other major losers i can't really think of any i mean i guess ziesh yeah technically yeah <laughs> poor ziesh man i i feel bad feel bad for him if we're going off like kind of neutral i'd even put them like closer to losers it's everton i obviously getting a new head coach is like that's very good considering their old head coach is frank lampard but when you lose anthony gordon and you don't add anyone else like purely competition wise that is very difficult yes you sold him for a crap ton of money north of of 50 million that's really really good but in this transfer window you don't bring anyone else here on still on the verge of relegation 
that's kind of like on the losing end of, of the things, you know. Uh, a winner, though, I think is Borussia Dortmund. Uh, they are still technically in the Bundesliga race. They're still technically at risk of falling out of the Champions League spots. So keeping their talismanic midfielder, I think, is really important. Uh, even if it's just for you know the rest of the transfer or until the next transfer window for the rest of the season and selling him off because you'll have more time to find a replacement of some kind or to reinvest that money to other areas of the pitch, whatever you need to do. So I think that's the big one. Can I, can I just say one other loser, I think, sure. and every league other than the Premier League. Okay. That's li- I literally have everyone not named the Premier League, everyone not named Chelsea as one. Yeah, yes. Um, go ahead. I mean, look at the spending of the Premier League. Bournemouth spent 60 million, yeah. which is more than all of the other leagues spent. Like Combined? men spend at least, right? Like wow. the, the biggest transfer in La Liga was 8 million. Yeah. That's the, the biggest transfer. Serie A, I, I think maybe there, there were a few sub 10 million, maybe somewhere closer to 15. Yeah, I, I had the large deal on Serie A. It was Fiorentina's decision to make Antonin Barak's loan from Hells Verona permanent. 8.5 million euros. Yep. That's it. That's it. That's it. So like, yes, were, were there some big loans in other leagues? Yeah. But there weren't any like massive, massive deals. And the Premier League, just the amount of players coming into there. Wow. Like it, it's, be, it, yeah. it, it, it's no wonder that uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona and Juventus are still trying to do the Super League. They, the they, Premier League they, has so much money. They can't compete with it anymore. Yeah. They just can't. Uh, and I, I think like, yeah, so every league other than the Premier League is yes. a loser for sure. Yeah. I mean, when we look at, I think, uh, the rest of the Europe's big leagues spent 255 million euros. Chelsea almost matched that with Fernandez and Mudrik alone. That's, that's crazy, crazy amounts. And like when we did transfer hot announcements, when we talk about draining transfer window, it's not like we specifically chose to ignore other leagues they just, just weren't the making transfers league, yeah was just such a behemoth this transfer window i, I kind of felt bad i was trying to like throw in just like oh well this you know uh i think jan sommer is going to move to Bayern. yeah for, on a loan let's, let's talk about that the the one non-premier league transfer and in the grand scheme of things like nothing compared to the financial power of the premier league like ugh, crazy crazy uh the final winner i'll say it's just the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I not even mention McKenney moving to Leeds, where he's meeting up with a lot of Americans. But like, you know, John Anthony Brooks uh, went from uh, the the weirdest, weirdest like stint in with Benfica. I mean, yeah, what team was yeah. to uh, oh no, I'm pre- is it? It's not. It's Hoffenheim. Yeah, I want to say. I think it is. It's either that or or Hertha Berlin. I, I, Her, I no, Hertha, Hertha Berlin does sound right. Hold on, let me. Yeah, it's one. It's one of the blue teams that aren't very good, but are like sometimes around there. It, it, no, not. it is Hoffenheim. Oh my god. Okay, good. I, I mean, he's played time. twice for them so far, and yeah, hasn't been awful in the Bundesliga. Yeah. That being so, said, they shipped five goals against Bokum yesterday, but yeah, well, we don't talk about that. But whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so just. You know, some some good moves for Americans, uh, especially for Weston McKenney leaving what is, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, a dumpster fire going on in Juventus. Uh, so, yeah. 
that is the transfer window. We've covered it all throughout this month. Uh, talked about the winners and losers. We talk about where uh, the Premier League teams are after uh, such a crazy weekend of results and what it tells us about how the transfer window went. And yeah, Jack, let's get you out of here into where you need to go. So do you want to tell listeners where they can find us on social media? Yeah, well, you can find us on social media on Twitter at Final Third Show. Also, technically, Instagram at Final Third Show. But Twitter is where we do most of, uh, you know, our hot takes on things. Uh, and where we where you know, you can see me claim that Greg Burhalter was right, actually, about Gio Reyna being a super sub. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want some uh, takes like that, or if you want to reply and tell me how wrong I am, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. Yeah, you can go on there and make fun of Jack for not saying Olivier Giroud right away for Chelsea x Arsenal. I'm never going to live it down. <laughs> it was very funny. It was very funny. Uh, but you can also find us on FinalThirdShow.com if you want to find all the places that we're online, all, all of the, the uh, listening platforms that you can find us on, as well as places to uh, rate and review this podcast. It helps a lot. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week for another Final Third episode. Tell a friend about the show. Of course, growing uh, for word of mouth is important. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about all the January transfer window and where Chelsea are going. So yeah, we'll uh, see you then. See ya. Bye for now. <laughs>